This is the Kawabui Show. Kawabui is an author, international speaker, and entrepreneur. He started his first business selling music CDs in high school at the age of 16. He then went on and built several businesses. He is the founder of River Design, a marketing company that helps businesses get more exposure online and offline. He has appeared on TV, radio, newspaper, and magazines from around the world. He has written and published several books and created various products. Kawabui is also an international speaker, corporate trainer, and speaks on topics of business, entrepreneurship, motivation, health, marketing, online business. You could check out his blog site at www.kowa-bui.com. And now, your host, Mr. Kowa Bui. Mr. Kowa Bui. Hi, my name is Kowa Bui, and today I have a very special guest. His name is Brendan Kane. He wrote the book One Million Followers. He's also worked with people such as Taylor Swift and other celebrities around the world. And what's really amazing about Brendan is that he has a very data-driven, analytical approach towards getting followers and getting traffic and also converting that traffic into leads and, and whatever your goals are online. And so without further ado, I would like to introduce you to Brendan Kane. Thanks. Well, um, Brendan, I really appreciate your time today. It's a true honor to finally uh, get you on an interview. I know how busy you are and... Um, and you know, I really love what you're doing out there. Um, you're really inspiring a lot of people through your work, through your books, through your speaking engagements. And um, yeah, so welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, I appreciate it. No worries, cool. Um, so for those who don't know who you are, um, we'll just start off with the, the basic introduction, which is your background. So I think you came from an entertainment type of industry and that, that's how you sort of morphed into the whole, um, you know, the, the, the growth hacker type of person who knows how to influence people. So can you explain a bit about that one? I initially wanted to be a film producer. Mm. And so I went to film school and as soon as I got into film school, I wanted to make sure that I'm learning business because mm. to be a film producer, you need to understand business. And yes, I just saw that there was very little in terms of offerings of teaching you the core principles of business. Sure, they would teach you about film producing and what that takes, mm. but I wanted a, a broader perspective on what it takes to actually create and run a business. Yeah. While I was in college, I decided to create a few internet companies just to learn and experiment uh, because I felt that was the best way and the most cost efficient way at the time and still holds true, holds true today is to create mm. internet companies. Mm. So I did that when I was uh, going through college and then we moved out to Los Angeles to pursue a career in film back in 2005. It was when the entertainment industry started to reawaken to digital after the dot-com bust. Yeah. And I just saw that I needed to really stand out. And it's a lot of the work that I do is, is figuring out unique ways that you can provide value and stand out in a very mm. noisy and crowded market. Yeah. And I just thought in the entertainment industry, there was, uh, tens of thousands of other people that wanted to be producers and not even that there's hundreds of thousands of millions of people trying to get the attention of studio executives producers and directors and celebrities mm. and things of that nature mm. so i saw an opportunity of leveraging the knowledge that i gained in creating those internet companies to get in the door mm -hmm. to forge projects and connections and quickly went from starting out as a uh, just an assistant making coffee to you know creating a digital division for a movie studio in in less than a year mm. and so I, I worked in the entertainment industry for several years managing uh, digital divisions overseeing the theatrical marketing 
yeah. uh, for films ranging from 15 to $100 million budgets. Mm. And through that, uh, it was kind of really my first uh, foray and experience into corporate America. Mm -hmm. I mean, most people think that the film industry is very exciting and mm. sexy and cool, but it's another corporation. It's mm, a business. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's, it, and I just, it didn't work for me in, in mm. that I'm the type of person that I, that I like to build and I like, I'm very much an experiential learner. Mm. And in most corporate environments, uh, the entertainment industry as well as you spend more time playing the political game and you know asking for permission to do something rather than actually doing it mm. uh, so that's where i had made a decision to really go after the digital technology and social space mm -hmm. after having that experience and uh, while i was working for one of the studios i actually got the president of the studio to invest in an advertising technology which looking back on it was the first ever influencer advertising technology this is back in like 2007 on top of myspace mm, okay. and you know i was able to structure a licensing deal with mtv for that and i just saw that there was a larger opportunity there mm. and that's where i kind of started to dive in deeper and made the choice to transition out of wanting to be a film producer into really exploring what this new uh this new world had to offer mm -hmm. that's really interesting and um, i noticed that the way you market, um, you have a lot of analytics and researching and testing behind your marketing and, and uh, behind your, your testing and everything. So like, would you always consider yourself of more of like a, an analytical, a data metric person? Is that the, you know, the, the personality type that you have that you inject into your marketing? Yeah, I'm very, uh, and I, I study communication frameworks and personality types. Mm. I mean, my primary way that I view the world is through thoughts and logic. Yeah, so yeah. It makes sense to me. And I'm not a math genius by any means. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I use a calculator for everything and I did horrible in math, but I do love data. Yeah. Um, but I like to streamline data in the way that I understand it is people oftentimes times think of analytics or data as something that's super complex and mm. hard to understand, but it doesn't have to be because I'm, my mind doesn't work that way. Yeah. But the reason I like it is the reality of the world that we live in today is this opinions really don't mean anything because you can go mm. validate a decision one way or the other. And I, yeah. I can't stand, especially, you know, dealing with, with, with clients, uh, the bigger clients, brands and corporations where they'll argue about, which direction should we take? Which direction is right? Whose creative vision is right? And it's like, go off and just test it. The data mm. will tell you quickly. And we have amazing tools at our fingertips today. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, that's amazing. I think um, uh, I heard one of your interviews that what you do is you have different variations of content when you're testing. So you, you test um, like the, the title, uh, the image and the caption and so forth. So would you mind explaining a bit about the five variations of content that you use to test? Yeah, absolutely. So we have different tests for different objectives and purposes. Uh, but what you're referring to is when we're leveraging advertising platforms, specifically mm. a lot of the advertising that we do online is through the Facebook and Instagram advertising platform. Mm. And the reason I'm so bullish on that platform, it gives you so much control over everything. Mm -hmm. So that laser targeting, isn't it? It's laser targeting, but it's also the flexibility that mm. you can take one piece of content and turn it into hundreds, if not thousands of variations. Mm. And that doesn't mean that, 
and you take a video and you cut it a thousand different ways, mm. that's where the five key elements of a variation come into play. So mm. for example, when I, when I generated a million followers in 30 days, I tested 5,000 variations of content in those 30 days. Now, again, that sounds like crazy amount of content, yeah. but it's not testing 5,000 individual pieces of content. It's 5,000 mm. variations. So I break down a variation into five key elements. The first element you have is the creative itself, mm. whether it's the video, the image, the article, and we will create different variations of it if we can, if we have the ability to do it sometimes. Uh, we work with clients where we don't have that flexibility, but if you, if we have a video, sometimes we'll test three or four different versions of that video with like a three second intro or different meme cards or things like that. Mm. The second element of a variation is, is the headline. Mm. Uh, Facebook, it goes above the piece of content and Instagram, it goes below in terms of the caption. Then the third is what are the demographic makeup of the people you're targeting? Are they males? Are they females? Um, what age bracket are there? Mm. Uh, the fourth is the the interest level and the psychographic profile of this person. Yeah. What products do they buy? What music do they listen to? Where do they like to travel? All mm. of these details you can control. And then the fifth is the geolocation. Where do they live? Mm. Are you targeting the entire world? You can go all the way down to a specific zip code. So with each of these five um, elements of variation, you can you know, take this video and just swap out the headline or swap out the de demographics or the interest level or where they where they live. Mm. And, and by swapping out all these variables, what it does is it, it does two things. One, it gives you more chances to learn, which mm, is the most true. important thing mm. uh, of how your content performs with specific audiences, with specific tweaks under uh, specific scenarios. Yeah. And it gives you more chances to win mm. as well. Because if you just want, put out one piece of content out there structured in one way to one audience and it doesn't work, then you're sitting there being like, well, what do I do? Yeah, yeah. Is it, is it you know, my product mm. is not good enough? Is it my landing page is not good enough? Is it the, the, the message? Is it the content? And that's mm. why we like to test extensively because, and sometimes, listen, we'll take a piece of content and we'll test it 500 or 1,000 different ways and it just won't work. Yeah. Okay. But through that, we will know definitively why it's not working and yeah. how to, you know, have enough hypothesis of how to fix it mm. versus doing it once. It doesn't really teach you that much. Yeah. And just that rapid iteration allows you to learn very quickly mm. uh, what, what works and what doesn't work. You will have to be crazy patient with, with this. Um, a lot of people, when they launch advertising campaigns, they're just, okay, let's get it out there. Let's try and get as many leads as we can with whatever we have. But you're very patient with which you're testing. You have all your variations and you just go through and test each iteration, isn't it? Right? Yeah, and I'll, I'll say that I think anything in life you have to be patient with. Yeah. If you really want to be successful, very few people win the lottery mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and strike it. I mean, the people that are the most successful just don't give up. They're mm. relentless and, yeah. and they just keep trying new things, whether that's online or offline. I think it was Thomas Edison. They said he, he, he failed 10,000 times yeah. in inventing the light bulb. Mm. And yeah, sometimes it's frustrating. Don't get me mm. wrong. Sometimes mm. we get down with it. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of 
if you look at it less as a failure and more of as a learning mechanism and it just keeps pushing you to get better and better and better mm-hmm. yeah speaking of um your personality types that you were talking about before um yeah i'm a, I'm a d personality type you know dominant influential and i'm very task driven and you know very fast 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 but you're very logical and everything so you you know, take your time, but you also use all the metrics and data. So that's really amazing that, that you know, you can incorporate that into your marketing campaign. So, okay. Um, you also mentioned about, I really love the analogy that you had about the magazine analogy, how if you're walking down the street and uh, how people remember you and stuff. So would you remember, or would you mind that elaborate a bit more about your analogy there? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. it's actually my my entire second book that's coming out in a few months is cool. is based upon this subject. And it's so the second book is called Hook Point: How to Stand Out in a Three Second World. Nice. And the reality of the situation that we're in today is that with social media, there's over sixty billion messages sent on digital platforms each day. Mm. If you want to talk about advertising, the average person is exposed to between four thousand and ten thousand ads a day. But you have to find a way to stand out. And most people, when they think about competition, they think about your direct competition of who's going after the same customer with the same type of product line or same type of service. But in the reality of of it, of the world we live in, you're not just competing against that. You're competing against Kim Kardashian. You're competing against Nike and all the things that pop up into your social feeds or all the things that people are exposed to on it each day. So that's where we have this concept of of a hook point. And really it's designed to capture people's attention in that first three to five seconds. Because Mm. if you can't capture the attention in the first three to five seconds, you'll never get them to watch the next 30, 60, 90, however long you want. Mm. And there's a lot of conversation and information out there about building brand, you know, like Simon Sinek's why, your purpose, all of that, which is Mm. extremely valuable to have. Mm. But the reality of the situation is, is if you can't capture their attention in like three to five seconds, none of that stuff even matters Mm, because they won't even get to your product or service. They won't get to your purpose. They won't get to your why. Mm. Uh, So one of the exercises that, you know, I had created a five-step framework for uh, this hook point process, but one of the exercises, as you mentioned, is uh, that we do with with clients that, that we work with and the agency that we have in developing hook points for people is imagine that the editor of a magazine uh, calls you up and says, okay, we're giving you the cover of this magazine. You're the only person on it. Mm. Now, what is that headline that best represents your brand, your product or service? But when thinking about that and brainstorming, you have to determine what is that headline that is going to get your customer or the customer that you're trying to attract uh, away from all this competition, as mm. they walk down a busy street, uh, just imagine walking down a busy street of, of New York or whatever city you're in with all the noise and everything, and then they pass yeah. a magazine stand. And there's 50 other magazines out there with their own hook points drawing people in. What is that headline? What is that hook that's going to make them stop at that busy street, pick up that magazine, buy it, and read it? Mm. Because that's how difficult it is in the world that we live in. Now, most people, when they do that uh, exercise, they'll just come up with one. 
Mm. But we force ourselves, we force the clients we work with to come up as many. And oftentimes the best ones come from pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Okay. So if you feel like you've hit a saturation point at 10 or 15, you keep pushing wow. uh, until you come up with something. And then we test it and we validate it. We take mm. the best ones and that testing process I just walked you through is we'll go and test and see which one uh, responds. Mm. And the process of developing hook points is simple, but it's not easy. Uh, you know, I've got 15 years of, of doing this, yeah, this yeah. process of uh, not just online, but offline, because being an entrepreneur, I had to go into the, the rooms with the biggest executives and celebrities and um, uh, studio heads and convince them to buy our technology or partner with us. Mm. And uh, what, you know, some of the most common mistakes that people make in that process is they are either they're very vague with their offering. Uh, they're saying something that's been said 10,000 times, especially mm. in the world that we live in. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, for example, meditation. Mm. Meditation has been talked about for so many years and now it's becoming more popular. Mm. So you can't just go off and say the same things that everybody else has said is meditation will lead to success. Meditation will lead to happiness. Yeah, meditation true. will lead to fulfillment it will just, it'll just um, get lost. Like we were working on a social video where the headline is meditation is a scam. We're supporting oh, expectations. That's got my not that we believe, we, not that we believe that. Yeah. We don't believe it. Uh, but it brings people into a story that we tell us, listen, most people fail at meditation or think meditation doesn't work because of all this misinformation into the marketplace. Yeah. Or people just are, you know, one of the interesting things is I meet people all the time, you know, billionaires or people that are very successful and super smart, and they have a very difficult time distilling down their message in the simplest form because they didn't need to do it for themselves. Mm. You know, they, they're just so smart. It comes intuitively, uh, intuitive to them. And you need to find a way to really simplify it because if you, if you're, if somebody has to think too hard, they're going to keep swiping. Mm. You know, if, it, if it's too simple and it's vague, uh, or if it's something they've seen a thousand times, they're just going to keep swiping. Mm. So there's a, a fine line balance in, in doing it. And that's why I spent the time in, in this next book to develop a framework and why we built an agency helping people develop this is because it takes years and years of practice. Yeah. It's one of the most critical things, no matter what you're trying to achieve in, in uh, today's world. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and, and I love it how you, you're not doing this to just get, I can clearly see it's not vanity trying to, um, you're not trying to do this for, cater for your own ego or vanity. It's just all experimentation. You, you love the whole process. And I think that um, a key message that you also said was that you've got to be passionate. You've got to love this stuff in order to become successful. Is, is that right? Yeah, I, I firmly believe that because mm. things oftentimes take two or three times longer than you anticipate, maybe maybe even longer than that. And mm. it's one of the things that I've had to really get good at for myself is my creative brain works so fast that in the mm. beginning I had so many ideas and I wanted to chase the idea because I thought the idea was good or because I thought the idea would make money. Mm. And you burn out really quick from it if you really aren't fully passionate about it so for myself i have to separate the 
the excitement for the idea versus the uh, excitement of the underlying purpose of why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. So you just focus on just the purpose, right? You don't, you put the money like later on that that's only you focus on just the purpose because that's what drives you forward because you're going to need it for, for decades. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, again, mm-hmm. it's like the reason that I'm, you know, helping people develop their hook points now mm. is because that creative process is very fulfilling for me. Yeah. I'm very good at it mm. and I can do it time over and over again. It's like, there's always a new person that needs a hook or even a pre-existing client that are constantly reinventing their hooks mm. because you, you know, one hook may last for a year, uh, but it, you may need to come up with other ones because competitors will steal it. You, you see this all the time mm. uh, with um, uh, hook fatigue, we call it. Okay. So you, for example, like Tom's shoes, the okay. one for one was an amazing hook, mm. but then everybody else started adopting the one for one model and copying them. Yeah. And, and then, then it lost. just was yeah. obsolete and they needed to reinvent. Mm. Same thing with you look at Nike, they started off, Uh, having the number one running shoe in the world. And then that Mm. became oversaturated and they're constantly reinventing hooks. You look at Amazon, Amazon's one of the best companies in the world at creating, constantly creating new hooks, whether it was, you know, the world's largest bookstore when they launched to one click checkout to Amazon prime and two day free shipping to, Mm. to the echo, to the Kindle, to, um, Amazon, you know, the Amazon prime content, Mm. Uh, the you know and original content they have is they're constantly reinventing themselves. Yep. And and it's also like the streaming wars that are happening right now. It's yeah. like how did Netflix overcome and beat Blockbuster? You know, this is a case study I have in my keynote. Is at one point Blockbuster was valued at eight point four billion dollars. Mm. They had the opportunity to acquire Netflix for fifty million. Mm. Now Didn't Blockbuster is is um, bankrupt, and Netflix market cap is I think over a hundred and $10 billion. Why? Because they created effective hooks to bring people in. Mm. The first one was no late fees. Then they invented binge watching. Mm. And now the reason they spend $17 billion a year on content is each of their original content pieces is a hook into their service. Mm -mm. Yeah. Netflix is a, um, it's a really good success story because they came up with the subscription model, provide tremendous value and only at a, a low price per month. And then now you have Apple who's moving into that space. And then you also have, uh, what is it, Amazon as well, who is trying to take over the competition from Netflix. So it's amazing how, how that's happening. You know, there's that competitive war, the stream war, as you just mentioned. So, yeah. Um, okay, so how about um, in terms of, because I, I was reading a book by um, Tim Ferriss. He's got the four-hour work week. And he said that um, because it, it's, his book is a national bestseller and, but he, what he did was he tested his headline. So I think he advertised on Google pay-per-click and he yeah. had different series of different headlines to test it. So is that the same method that you, you apply to all your uh, advertising campaigns, pay-per-clicks, or do you have software or what's the deal? Or it's all different variations. Yeah, we kind of, you know, for, we never, we didn't invent AB testing. So mm-hmm. we just devised a method to scale AB testing. Mm-hmm. So what Tim Ferriss describes is a version of what we do. We just kind of do it on steroids. Mm-hmm. I mean, we yeah. just, we just excel it. A lot of the testing that we do is mainly on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. uh, because 
of the granularity that you can get into based upon the psychographic, the demographic, all that information that you have. So you have it's a, a testing budget, more, right? Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more granular than, than what Google AdWords has with that and the ability to scale tests as well. Mm. Uh, it makes it a little bit easier. And, you know, depending on what our objective is, mm. uh, you know, this process that we develop can be used for anything. It can be used for follower growth. It can be used for traffic acquisition, for lead generation, for conversion-based marketing. So, or it can be used for virality. Uh, depending on the client, what they're trying to achieve, then we will set the specific objective and craft the, the test specifically around that. Mm, okay, fantastic. Um, and I also know that uh, there's a lot of people who are attracted to what you're doing because of the people that you know. I mean, you're able to work with Taylor Swift and other celebrities. Um, what's it like working with them, by the way, for, for those who are curious about that? Each person's different. I mean, mm. it's like, it's like any, any person you work in a business, each person has a different personality and a different way of going about things. There are certain uh, people that are very difficult. There are mm. some that are very cool and easy to work with. Mm. So Taylor Swift, uh, for example, I, I worked with her and her team for about two and a half years. I mean, my interactions with her were limited. I think we had like three or four meetings together, but she was very, very smart, very brilliant. Uh, and and very grounded because when i was working with her she was just at that inflection point of starting mm -hmm. to take off uh, and you know i worked with when i was in the movie industry an actor jason statham mm -hmm. um, from the Crank movies and now that hobbs and shaw fast and furious movies uh, another guy very down to earth very fun uh, person and very curious and very professional and mm -hmm. wanting to learn uh, and then there's other celebrities i'm not going to name but it's you know, they're very difficult to deal with. They, they've, you know, they've been propped up on this pedestal and because of that, they expect things for free or they expect you to bend over backwards for them. Mm. And, you know, at this point in my career after doing it, I, I, I oftentimes avoid people uh, in the entertainment industry because of that. It's, mm. uh, I'm work with anybody, but I'm very selective in that respect because it's got to be a mutual partnership and appreciation in order to be, you know, successful. That's true. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Um, another question is, um, let's say that you were to go inside a time machine, press a button and go back maybe 10, 15, 15 years, talk to your younger self. What would you say? Be patient. That's the biggest thing. Love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, I need that it's something that well. I have to, yeah, be patient is a big one and just trust and let go is another huge one. Trust and let go. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just hold on and you know too hard and try and force things through. But yeah, those are definitely um, you know two of the, the biggest lessons that I still work on today. I'm by no means perfect at it, but mm. at least I have the awareness around it now. Yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, so how can um, people get in contact with you as well and find out what you're doing? Yeah, so they can uh, visit my website, brendanjkane.com, and it's spelled B-R-E-N-D-A-N, J's and Jack, Kane, K-A-N-E.com. Uh, they can direct message me on uh, Instagram, at Brendan Kane. And the current book, One Million Followers, is on all major stores on Amazon, or they can, we have a, um, an offer, a free book offer, 
if you go to uh, book.1millionfollowers.com. Book.1millionfollowers.com, yeah? Yeah, and one is spelled out. Oh, one is spelled out, okay. No worries. Millionfollowers.com, and they can get access to the the book. Fantastic. Awesome, no worries. Well, um, Brendan, I really appreciate your time today. And... um, you know, keep inspiring the world and you know we, we love your content we love what you're doing out there and uh, we're here we look forward to um seeing what you have in store for the future and wish you all the best for future endeavors yeah appreciate you having me no worries